Welcome to Fitness Thoughts, everybody. Throughout the series, join me, your host, Jake Mees, as I talk with some amazing guests about their own unique fitness journey through life. We'll be finding out their favorite games and sports that they played as kids, all the way through to how their journeys have shaped them into the people that they are today. We'll also be getting their views on the fitness industry as it stands right now. So stick around and listen up as we discover their fitness thoughts. Welcome back to another episode of Fitness Thoughts, another solo episode where I'm going to be diving into a little bit of the theory and education behind health, fitness, fat loss, anything that you need within the fitness industry. Now, I put a poll out on my Instagram stories and Facebook stories the other day asking you to decide what you would rather have an episode about. Would you rather it be about my educational background, the jobs I've been through and how that path has shaped me as a coach and got me to where I am today? Or would you rather I talk about overtraining and how this relates to fat loss and more specifically makes fat loss much, much harder? Now, the latter option was the more popular one. So here we are. I'm going to be talking to you all about overtraining and how this impacts our ability to lose body fat efficiently. Now, the first question we need to cover is what is overtraining? It's a simple one. It's exactly what it says on the tin. Overtraining is quite simply training too much. It is when we overstimulate, when we overstress our body by training too frequently and it does not have the time required to properly recover between workouts and because of that causes a whole downstream of symptoms and side effects that can make not only progression but our general health and day-to-day well-being uh, much, much worse. So you might be asking, why is this important? Why do we need to know about overtraining? Surely if a little bit of training is good for us, then more training would be better. But that isn't quite the case. See, a common problem is doing too much. A lot of the time we see, especially within the fitness industry, this attitude of, I'm going to start on Monday or I'm going to start next week and it becomes very much 100% or nothing. You suddenly start dieting and dropping your nutrition, your calories down, and you start trying to aim to get to the gym as many days of the week as you can, doing cardio all the time, you're basically expecting your body to perform overtime on less and less food, which is only going to one way, which is only going to end one way, which isn't very well. If you're not aware of it, and you may not know that you're doing this, you're going to struggle to see results. So if you don't know that you are currently overtraining, but you do know that you're struggling to see results and your progress doesn't seem to be speeding up, you might not be aware of why that is the uh, case and why potentially overtraining is doing this for you or causing these problems. So we want to make sure that we are aware of what overtraining is, of what it looks like and how we can deal with it. Because just because a little bit of something is good, more is not better. It's very much just like the saying that the difference between medicine and poison is the dosage. Yes, it is good for us, but too much of it, like most things, is going to be harmful. Why is that? Well, training is a stress. Training puts a stress on our body. Now, in small doses, this is fantastic. This is exactly what we want it to do. Our body can deal with that. Our body can cope with that. And it can grow back bigger and stronger. When we train, 
we stress the body, we break down muscle tissue, we then feed it and give it time to recover and repair through sleep or just rest between training days, and our muscular system, our body grows back bigger and stronger in order to be able to deal with the previous stress that we put it under. But I want you to picture it like this. If training is a stress, I want you to picture that as the tide on a beach coming in and coming out. If your body is then a sandcastle that is sat on that beach, I want you to imagine what would happen if the tide started coming in too frequently or got more and more aggressive. It's pretty easy to assume that the sandcastle is going to get broken down pretty quickly and it's not going to be a very strong structure. Piece by piece, it is going to start falling apart. We want to make sure that that tide remains controlled and relaxed and it doesn't come in too quickly and it isn't attacking the sandcastle too strongly. And that's exactly what we want to do with our training. We want to make sure that it isn't too intense, that it isn't too frequent and that we're not just slowly breaking down our body, our energy and our muscular system. We need to make sure that we're not training too much because right now you could be overtraining and you may not even be aware of it. So if that is the case, you need to know some of the symptoms of overtraining. What can you start looking for to recognize whether or not you're actually trying to do a little bit too much and this is what's having an effect on your progress? Well, the first one is you might not be seeing any physical progress. You might have realized in the last two, four, six, eight weeks that your muscular development has slowed right down, if not stopped, that your body fat percentage, if you're trying to drop that, doesn't seem to be budging, you feel a little bit more bloated, potentially carrying a little bit more water, and you're not seeing any physical progress. Maybe you're constantly tired or fatigued. Maybe you're struggling to get through the days and your energy constantly feels low and everything feels like a challenge, whether that's work, whether that's actually getting to the gym, whether that's just walking around and doing the shopping, it's requiring a lot of effort and it shouldn't be that way. Maybe the DOMs from your training are lasting far too long. Maybe they're taking days and days and days to recover and actually you're training again before those DOMs are fully recovered. Now, this is a very dangerous thing to do because DOMs are telling us they are a sign from our body to us that it's not quite ready to train again yet, that it's still recovering and repairing that broken muscle tissue. If we try and train again straight away and it isn't fully repaired or recovered, just like that sandcastle, we are going to start breaking down our body piece by piece. So we need to make sure that our DOMs aren't lasting too long and that they're fully cleared up before we train again. Maybe you've realized that you're not getting any stronger, that your lifts have stopped progressing and the weight is just feeling heavier and heavier and heavier. And you might have even noticed that your motivation has been dropping for training as well because it feels like more of a chore, because you're not seeing that progress, because you're not feeling stronger. Maybe you're just not as bothered about going to the gym now. Maybe it feels like more of an effort and that end goal feels further and further away. If you are noticing any of these symptoms, it could be a sign that you are overtraining and you may need to take a step back and look at the routine that you currently have and what you're currently putting your body under and make some necessary adjustments. Because when we start to experience these symptoms of overtraining, it can leave you feeling stuck or like you're even going backwards. And even worse, it can also make you worry that if you start doing less, you're going to go even further back. Your progress is going to be stalled even more because you need to be doing more. And we don't want to fall into that mindset of more is better, more is better, because you're just going to break your body down. You're going to feel like crap. And it's going to be a very, very long and difficult process for you to get where you want to be, if you can even go there, uh, get there at all. So when we talk about overtraining, and now that we know how to recognize it, and we understand 
what it is and how it's actually affecting our body and the stress that we're putting our body under, it's really, really easy to relate this to our fat loss efforts. So right now you might be asking that, you know, you might be saying to yourself, well, this is great, but how is it making me, how is it making it harder for me to lose body fat? Because surely if I'm moving more and I'm eating less, I should be losing body fat. So why is overtraining making this more difficult? Well, the first thing that we're going to talk about, the first thing that you'll, you'll know, um, or you should be aware of is inflammation. When we put a stress on the body, when we cause those micro tears in our muscle fibers, this causes inflammation. Now, this is a completely normal response. Inflammation is basically what the body does at the site of any harm to help start to heal and repair it. But with that inflammation can come a lot of side effects. One of those being water retention. So if we're constantly in a state of inflammation, if we're constantly, our body's trying to repair itself and there's loads of different sites of inflammation, with that, we're gonna have a lot of water retention. And when we're overtraining and when we're doing this too frequently, inflammation is going to be high, which means water retention is going to be high. So we're gonna look a little bit smoother and our weight is going to be a little bit higher. One of the other things that we're going to notice is cortisol secretion is going to be increased. Now, this is our stress hormone and it is secreted in part uh, as a reaction to our level of inflammation. Now, cortisol is responsible for helping us with our fight or flight response. It also helps to elevate blood sugar levels by breaking down stored fat or stored glycogen and releasing it into the bloodstream. When cortisol is increased, you are going to have a consistently higher blood sugar. This means that your blood sugar through the day is going to be rising and dropping and rising and dropping. And you're probably going to notice those energy crashes and rises and crashes and rises continuously through the day. So you never feel like you have a constant state of energy. You're constantly either super up or super down. One of the other things that cortisol is going to do, because it mobilizes this stored sugar, because it's releasing the sugar into the blood, our body then wants to replace that and make sure that it's still got those reserves there for later should it need it. So you're going to notice that your hunger and craving cues are going to significantly increase. When we are stressed, when we are run down, our body starts to feel hungry. It starts to tell us that it's hungry, it wants more food in, it wants more uh, sugar in, so that it can replace the sugar that it is burning through. So if we put that into a state of dieting, and if we think about when we're dieting, if we're constantly hungry, if we constantly have cravings, well, it's not going to make the diet much easier. In fact, it's going to make it a lot, lot harder. So we need to make sure that we're minimizing this as much as possible, because if we can go through a fat loss phase or a diet uh, with minimal hunger and minimal cravings, it's going to be a lot more enjoyable, a lot easier, and the result that you get is going to be a lot more sustainable. Now, one of the other things that we're going to notice as a byproduct of increased cortisol is a decrease in testosterone. Testosterone is a hormone that is really, really important for helping with muscle repair and muscle growth. Testosterone and cortisol are both produced from the same precursor molecule, cholesterol, which means that if there is more cortisol, typically we can expect testosterone to reduce because there is less cholesterol available to produce testosterone. With a reduction in testosterone, we are going to notice that we have a decreased ability to repair our muscle tissue and therefore grow new muscle tissue. We're going to have a decreased drive, decreased energy, decreased motivation for training. And we can see very, very easily why this is going to make life difficult when we're trying to lose body fat. If we're not as motivated to go to the gym, if we don't have as much drive to get up and get out every single day, if we're not able to build muscle tissue 
as efficiently, it's going to make things very, very difficult. And one of the main reasons for this is that a reduction in muscle mass is going to mean a reduction in our basal metabolic rate as well. So our BMR, the amount of calories that we burn on a daily basis just by being alive, when we increase our muscle tissue, our muscle tissue needs a lot of energy to do its job. And because of that requirement for energy, our body then has to burn more calories to help produce that energy. So it increases our BMR. So by the if we flip that round, if we're reducing our uh, amount of muscle, if we're seeing a decrease in our muscle tissue, our BMR is going to decrease as well, which means the amount of calories that we burn on a day-to-day -day basis is going to decrease, which means fat loss is going to become harder and harder because we're going to have to find other ways of balancing that energy equation and making sure that we're still able to lose body fat. So we want to make sure that we're maximizing our testosterone production, that we're maximizing um, our ability to build muscle tissue, which is going to help increase our BMR as well. We'll also notice that we'll have a massively decreased sleep quality. Now, stress, sleep, and digestion are three markers that have a huge effect on our ability to not only lose body fat, but build muscle tissue and sustain those results. If one of those markers is knocked out or isn't happy, it tends to have a pretty negative effect on the other two as well. So when we are in a state of stress, when the body is constantly stressed, constantly inflamed, we're probably going to notice that our sleep quality takes a big dive. And it means that we're not going to recover as much through the night so that we're not growing and repairing at the rate in which we could. It also means we're going to be more susceptible to stress on a daily basis and we're probably going to struggle to concentrate more and our energy is going to take a big, big hit. Now, if our energy is taking a big, big hit, like from some of the points that we've already mentioned, it's very easy to see how getting to the gym, getting your steps in, sticking to your food plan, prepping your meals is going to become a harder and harder task to do because you just don't have the energy to put towards all those different jobs. The other factor that we're going to see affected is our immune function. Again, if we are in a state of stress, if we are having poor sleep, our immune function, our digestive system is going to be massively impaired, especially if we have inflammation sitting inside of our gut. That can cause a lot of gas or bloating. If our immune function is impaired, we're going to be more susceptible to illnesses, colds, flus, everything like that. We're not going to be able to fight things off as much, which means you're going to feel more run down much more easily, which means it's going to affect your ability to stick to any sort of plan. So it's really, really easy to see very quickly how overtraining can directly impact our ability to lose body fat. Now, it's important to know that overtraining by itself is not going to catastrophically destroy all these different systems. It is one piece of a very, very large fat loss cog. Okay, so there's a hell of a lot that's going on, but it's super important to have an understanding of how it can affect us because it's one more marker, it's one more variable that we can control and make sure is working for us. So from all of that, it's super, super easy to see how overtraining and not being aware of overtraining can make fat loss very, very difficult. So what can we do about it? What are the steps that we need to take in order to start fixing this? If you have noticed any of these symptoms do apply to you, if you have noticed that any of those effects of overtraining on fat loss you feel might be a, um, what you're experiencing right now or have been experiencing, it's important that you start to do something about that and get your body into a much healthier and more sustainable state. So what we want to do is run a bit of an audit. We want to take a step back and look at the bigger picture of our nutrition, our training and our lifestyle as a whole. And we want to ask ourselves, what could we be doing better?
So the first, first thing you might want to do is look at your nutritional intake. It's likely that if you are trying to lose body fat, you're going to be eating in a calorie deficit at the minute. It might be a good idea for the short term to actually increase your calories to a maintenance amount so that you won't be gaining any body weight or body fat, but you're giving your body exactly what it needs on a daily basis to fully recover, to fully function and to feel healthy. Now, there are loads and loads of studies that have shown that we can actually still lose body fat and increase our muscle tissue when eating in a calorie maintenance, especially if we are relatively new to the gym and it's all quite a new stimulus and experience for us. So you could actually keep your calories at a maintenance and still be losing body fat and increasing muscle tissue. And that would be a really, really healthy place for you to sit for a little while. You also might want to look at the breakdown of your nutrition. What's your protein intake like? Is your protein high enough for your body to be able to recover and repair muscle tissue properly? If you're eating anywhere from around 1.8 grams per kilogram to 2.4 grams per kilogram or more, you're going to be having enough protein for your body to fully recover. But if it's anywhere underneath that, you might want to look to start increasing that, especially if you are a plant-based eater, you want to start pushing up towards the 2.2 to 2.4 grams per kilogram of protein. You want to have a look at your vegetable intake as well. What kinds of different vegetables are you having that are going to be feeding your digestive system with good gut bacteria that is going to help improve your digestive health and as a result, improve your thyroid function and just improve general hormonal and chemical processes in the body that's going to make fat loss much much easier. Once you've had a look at your nutrition you want to have a look at your sleep. How many hours a night are you sleeping? What is your sleep like? Is it a good quality or is it broken? Do you need to look at managing your sleep routine or improving your sleep hygiene to make sure that you're maximizing the quality of your sleep. So do you need to start going to bed a little bit earlier? Do you need to start sleeping a little bit longer? Do you need to make sure you're getting to bed by 11 p.m. so that you can be asleep between that 11 p.m. and 3 a.m. window where typically we recover the most? Do you need to make sure that you're avoiding screens or lights for half an hour to an hour before bed and allowing your body to wind down and prepare for sleep so that it can get the most out of it? Have a look at your sleep routine and if there are areas it can be improved, like a set sleep schedule, no matter whether it's a weekday or a weekend, then start to implement that. Once you've done that, look at your expenditure. How many steps are you doing a day? One of the biggest faults that I see in people starting out on their fat loss journey is trying to do endless amounts of cardio on a bike or a treadmill, but not really doing many steps on a day-to-day -day basis. When we look at our energy expenditure, our NEAT, which is our non-exercise activity thermogenesis, essentially our steps and any other unplanned, unscheduled movements like talking, typing, writing, cleaning, whatever it is, it makes up a much, much bigger percentage of our overall daily energy expenditure than any actual formal scheduled um, training or exercise, especially in the form of cardio. So if we're hitting our daily step target, we're probably going to be burning more calories than doing minimal steps, but trying to do loads of cardio. The other big pluses about that is that steps can be done absolutely anywhere. You can do them at home, at work, whilst you're doing your shopping, out with friends, walking a dog. They are completely free to do. They require very little effort. They have a very, very little demand on the body, which means they're unlikely to increase your hunger, increase your cravings, whereas cardio is much, much more likely to reduce your energy, tire you out, increase your hunger, increase your cravings, all the things that make sticking to a fat loss plan much, much harder.
So my number one advice would be right now, if you're not hitting a step target of around eight to 10,000 steps a day, and you're doing loads and loads of cardio, swap that around and forget about your cardio for the short term, focus on hitting your daily step count. And once you have that in place consistently for a few weeks at a time, then potentially start to drip feed in some cardio in half an hour light intensity stints if you are not noticing any body fat reductions or fat loss. When it comes to training then, once you've done this audit, you want to look at pulling your training back to around three sessions a week to begin with and just hold your workouts there for four to eight weeks and focus on doing full body workouts or push-pull workouts and just focus on having short, intense workouts and then focusing on the recovery outside of those training sessions. You will be surprised at just how much muscle you can build, how much strength you can gain on only training three sessions per week. By doing this and making sure that you're doing something like full body or upper lower, you're still hitting your uh, muscle groups more than once a week. They're still being stimulated at a very good frequency and you're still going to be able to grow muscle tissue at a very, very good rate. But your body is going to have much, much more time to recover between workouts, which is exactly what we want here. So you're going to be able to see the difference in your training, your physique and your strength when you put all these principles into place. When you look at your nutrition, look at your sleep, look at your steps, look at your training, make the necessary adjustments and hold it there for four to eight weeks and then see how things are changing, see how your body's adapted, see how you're feeling and how that's changed on a day-to-day basis. And then you can make any other necessary adjustments from there and start to increase that volume back up whilst making sure that you are not falling into that overtraining trap and that you are still recovering at a good rate. So that is everything around overtraining and how it affects fat loss and makes fat loss much, much more difficult and what you can do about it to make sure you are not falling into that trap. I hope you found this episode super, super useful. As ever, if you did, reach out, share the episode onto your socials, tag me in it. I want to know your thoughts. I'd love to hear what you thought of this episode and to see you share it with your friends. Thanks for listening and I will see you in the next episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a like and a share or a comment and go and share it with your friends. Why not take a screenshot, share it to your social media platforms and tag me in it with your thoughts on the episode. You can find me at jakemees underscore coaching on Instagram and on Facebook. Now, I also have a super exciting opportunity for you. My brand new Leaning 8 Challenge is open for enrollment. This is where I show you how to achieve a leaner, happier and healthier life in under eight weeks. You'll receive packs, plans, video guidance, recipes, education and weekly group calls with me to take you through every step of the eight week challenge. We focus on getting results that last. You can get access to this via the link in my bio or simply just drop me a DM on Instagram with the phrase lean in eight. I'll see you in the next episode.